Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. So, Matt, the other day, uh, I rented a pickup truck. We needed to rent a pickup truck for something because I, uh, you know, I don't have one at the moment. But I, I rented one, and it had a standard transmission on it. And I haven't driven a standard transmission in years. But as I'm driving along, you know, I'm I'm shifting through the gears or whatever, and I throw it into reverse, and I think, man, this really takes me back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I did not I did not see it coming. <laughs> Good evening everybody and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam and my name's Matt. Now Pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. <laughs> All right, everybody, here we are again. Matt, how you doing tonight, brother? Hey, I'm good. It uh, it turned winter up here like overnight. Yep, here too. <laughs> it was <laughs> snowed sick. everything. Yep. It was 61 day, and then it was 31 the the next day, and so I feel you. We so didn't, everybody watching watching the uh, watching the video. That's why I'm wearing a hoodie. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> it's the first hoodie video of the year, so mark that off our calendars. We got the first hoodie video out of the way. So real quick, we want to say uh, go check out Podbelly at podbelly.com. We're proud members of the Podbelly Network. You can go over there and find different ways to record your own podcast, some tips, tricks, and stuff like that. And also you can find different podcasts to listen to that you may not normally stumble across. So it's pretty cool. Go check out podbelly.com. We also want to thank tonight's sponsors, Best Fiends and BetterHelp. Um, We... Also want to say thank you guys for sending in all the stories that you've sent in for our Christmas episode. Um, we have a ton of them, and we're we're getting them together now, kind of compiling the list together. And what we're going to do, we've got so many of them, we're going to have to make it a two-part episode. So yeah. you're going to get one on December 25th for our normal Christmas, sitting around the, the fire telling the stories, and... We're also going to give you one on January 1st. So we're going to make it a two-parter this year because we got so much sent in to us. All of you guys that sent it in, we appreciate it very much. Um, This is the most that we've ever gotten, Matt. I'm just floored. I know. It's been amazing. Y'all, you really, you you blew us away this year. We, We asked you to, and you did not disappoint. And so we've got some really great stories to share and we're going to just, we're going to split them up. We're, we're not going to, we're not going to take like, well, these are the best or the, you know, and no, we're not going to do that. So if, if your story is in the second episode, it's simply because 
that's where we had to draw the line. Yep. You know, we're just we're just we're just going to read them out. We're we're not going to you know divvy them up. You know, this one's better than that one. Nah. So it doesn't matter where's your where your shows up. Right. We're just we're just going to read it, and that way you've got you've got another episode of these stories to enjoy an extended holiday season. Right. So uh, we're looking forward to doing it, and uh, we uh, we hope you guys enjoy it like y'all have every year. Um, it just keeps getting bigger, so hopefully next year it's even more, and we can keep doing this for as long as we're doing the show. Um, so you know, as we're coming into the holiday season, please share these episodes and you know invite people into the group and all that kind of stuff we we need to grow the graveyard some more here especially around the holidays so we can get more people listening to the stories that you guys have sent in um now real quick matt before we get into what tonight's all about i gotta tell you this and i want to try to do it quick because we've had people complain that you and i talk too long in the beginning but you know it's our show (laughs) we're gonna do it the way we want to do it so if it bothers you that much, if you don't like hearing us talk in the intro of our show, just skip a little bit ahead. I mean, usually about 10 minutes and yeah. and you'll get into the episode. So it's about 10 and we're in. Right. Um, And, you know, it's funny, Adam, because for so long we had people wanting to be behind the curtain. Yeah. And and to hear all the, the banter and and bull crap that that we talk about before we officially hit the record button, mm-hmm. and you know we we kept getting it. We kept, so so we did we we right. we, we we give it to you. So to each his own. Right. You know, some people want to just you know they they don't want they 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 don't want all the appetizer. They just want the meat. Right. That's fine. Um. But, you know, a lot of them, you know, they, they want to sit and, and have a drink first and then enjoy their appetizer and wait on the main yep. course. And so they get about 20, 30 minutes of our bickered back and forth yep. about ridiculousness. Yep. And <laughs> that's the way Matt and I like to do it. You know, you get what you get. This is uh, this is how Matt and I are. So you're going to get the intro the way we kind of feel like we're going to do it here. And uh, like we said, if you don't like it, skip ahead. 10 to 15 minutes, you know, and, and you'll be fine. You'll be past our intro. It's getting longer. It gets longer every time because I keep talking. So I'm like, about, just, a, about a half hour in, you know. Right. You know, 25 to 45 minutes into the episode, just skip there and you'll get to what we're talking about. Uh, but to to let you know what, what, we were, what I was up to today, Matt, um, I had to go buy a bottle of whiskey to give as a Christmas present because like we were talking before, the mic's we're on that we uh we're doing our christmas shopping and uh right. going going broke doing it but you know yeah um, absolutely i uh i went and picked up a bottle of whiskey for uh, somebody for christmas and i was floored because i did not get carded and <laughs> that hurt <laughs> that oh man and you know i love ashley she tells me like it is and i told her about it and she goes well babe you don't look under 21. I was like, even with a mask on? And she goes, no, even with a mask on, you don't. I'm like, thanks, babe. Love you. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know if I looked under 21 when I was 21. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it's just, it's just the way it, it's just the way it is. But yeah, I mean, 
most most people don't guess my age, but they certainly don't guess me to be under twenty one. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I I knew I didn't look under twenty one, but it's still the principle of the thing. You That's know, right? It's like with a mask on, my gray hairs are covered up. How could you? How do you know I'm not? But yeah, I just had to complain because um, it it kind of hurt my soul a little bit. But on that note, Matt, why don't you tell us what what are we talking about tonight? Okay, so tonight uh, we're going to head down south and we're going to talk about uh, a place that is considered to be one of, one of the most active paranormal places in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about King's Tavern in Natchez, Mississippi. Right. And I came across this place just, we were, we were just kind of looking for some show ideas. Um, I don't know, about a, you know, a, a month or so ago. And and I found this place and I started reading and I was like, hey, this sounds like it's right in our wheelhouse. And so I, I pitched it over to Adam and uh, within a few minutes he was like, I like it. Let's go with it. And so, I mean, this, this place has got, it, it's got some cool history, but you're going to find out when Adam digs into this that there's even there's even some question about the history of this place. right right um but you know some a lot of activity and uh some pretty good stories come out of this this place and and it's and it's so old i mean even without the history you'd expect it to be haunted so oh yeah uh, oh yeah so enough talking about the history let's dig into it adam tell us about king's tavern all right so, like we always say, go check out our show notes uh, if you want to find our links and follow along with us or to keep digging and diving. And a lot of these notes that I've got are going to come from an article written by Mike Chapman um, that's called King's Tavern at Haunted Natchez, The Truth Revealed. And it's on his website, Natchez Area Paranormal. So say that 10 times fast. The <laughs> The Natchez Area Paranormal Society. Um, so the link is in uh, the show notes if you want to see that. Um, I, I had to throw him out here up front because I did get a lot of the history from him. But like Matt said, King's Tavern is an old bar that's located in downtown Natchez, Mississippi. Now, let's talk about Mississippi and Natchez and stuff like that real quick. Um, it was first explored by La Salle around 1682, then settled permanently by the French in 1716 when they built Fort Rosalie de Natchez. Um, the town has been under the flags of no less than five different countries. So that that's pretty pretty crazy that five different countries have, you know, taken over Natchez. Now, Natchez was the home of the Natchez Indians, with three huge villages in full glory when the French began to arrive in force. Now, the tribe was virtually wiped out by the French after the uprising on November 28, 1729. Now, Emerald Mound, just outside of Natchez, is the third largest Indian mound in the United States and was built by the predecessors of the Natchez Indians. So it is an old burial mound, and it's third largest in the U.S., so... It's big, and as you can see, we've already got a lot of history going on in Natchez. Now, Washington, Mississippi, 
in a small village just outside Natchez, was Mississippi's territorial capital and then became the capital of the state of Mississippi before it was eventually moved to Jackson. So at one point, that area was the capital. Now, Mike Chapman says, So, with the kind of ancient history that began at Natchez long before even the white man came, one can well imagine the potential for haunted sites that must be present here and... In this regard, Natchez certainly does not disappoint. So he's absolutely right. Like we've seen in a lot of different areas, that type of history going that far back gives the the opportunity for paranormal activity to be there, especially when you think about anything that any town that old is going to have seen some type of violence at some point. Yeah. Um, you know, there there will have been a lot of trials and tribulations and stuff to happen in a town that old. So there's going to be a lot of energy encapsulated in that area. And when you look at burial mounds, we know there is, there's theories that native American burial mounds actually hold a lot of energy and, and could possibly have magic put on them to create you know, hauntings or some type of activity in that area. And we got the third largest in the U.S. in Natchez. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're looking looking good for some paranormal activity. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, I have seen a couple different reports on how the building was erected. And that's what Matt was talking about when he said, this may not be as straightforward as the Internet will tell you. So, <laughs> yeah, it's putting it lightly. Right. So we'll take a brief look at one and then we'll get a little more into the second one. Now, here's the first one. And this first one is what you're going to find if you just do, a, you know, some cursory research online or you hit Wikipedia or something like that. This is the history that has been spread around the Internet for many years. It says the King's Tavern building was built in 1769, making it the oldest structure in the old Riverport city of Natchez. When the British moved in and established the nearby Fort Panmure, the King's Tavern building was originally built to be a blockhouse for the fort. As there was no sawmill near the frontier town, this building and other structures were constructed using beams taken from scrapped New Orleans sailing ships, which were brought to Natchez via mule. Another source of wood used in the King Tavern King's Tavern building uh, were barge boards from flat river boats, which were dismantled and sold after arriving in Natchez with their goods after traveling down the Ohio and Mississippi rivers. Now boatmen couldn't take their flat boats back up these rivers, so they just added to their profit by selling the boats as wood, which was needed to build Natchez. Besides the wood, sun-dried bricks were also used as building material. The result is a building which has an ambiance and decor of another era from the outside. Now, this goes on to say that after the Revolutionary War in 1776, the British left the area, leaving the river port open for other interest. In 1789, a New Yorker by the name of Richard King moved his family to Natchez, where he bought this block home and opened a combination tavern and inn, as well as the place where the town's mail was dropped off. His inn business was very successful because of the need for boatmen and weary stage riders to have a secure place to rest for the night. 
Now, the upstairs rooms on the third floor were comfortable accommodations. Selling drinks to townspeople and visitors as well was also a moneymaker. He also found himself to be very popular with people because he received and sent the town's mail. Everyone congregated on the steps of his tavern, socializing and reading their mail. He enjoyed a celebrity status, and he and his wife became prominent and very much respected people in Natchez. Now, during this time, outlaws began settling in Natchez. They preyed on the boatmen and visitors. Um, who made they made a living from gambling and robbing people, and sometimes not thinking twice of killing their victims. After selling their goods and their flatboats for lumber, boatmen would spend the night at the King's Tavern and then head home along the Natchez Trace pathway. This usually caused highwaymen outlaws to hold them up and usually kill them. Yeah, I was going to say highwaymen were were bad news around this time. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, once you got outside of some of these small towns, there really was no police. Right, right. I mean, you know, you you got far enough out of town, you were in in open open territory, and pretty much whatever happened happened. Lawless zones. Yeah, I mean, essentially, and you know, for people that had to travel, you know, along this this road or these roads. You know, they were really taking a huge risk. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, imagine if you were trying to move your family. Right. You know, you you were really putting them in harm's way by making this kind of trip. Mm-hmm. And, and so little places like King's Tavern, you know, they they were routine hangouts for for these kind of folks. You know, it was it was easy to. You know, you you paired up with other outlaws. Um, you know, that's you know they could scheme and and figure out you know new things to to go after, but they could also target victims. Mm-hmm. You know, so you had somebody that needed to needed to stop for the night. You know, needed to you know get you know water for horses. You know, needed to get food supplies or just to pull over and and have a drink. You know, if you look like you had a little bit of money, you get a few miles out of town, chances are you weren't going to have that money no more. <laughs> right. Exactly. Or worse. You know, yeah. that, it, it wasn't like we're, we're just going to rob you and let you be. You know, it was just it was just as easy to kill you and yeah. take what you got. It was and, and less risky. On. You you yeah. wouldn't turn them in. But yeah, when when you look at that aspect of it and then you look at the fact that there, you know, the building was supposedly made out of lumber from ships um, and, you know, uh, things that have seen probably death from people, you know, in the shipping business that have died either from sickness or, or you know, boats being held up and robbed or accidents or whatever. You, you've got a lot of history in that wood. And when you build a building out of stuff like that, that the reclaimed wood, you know, the stone tape theory says that it's going to hold, you know, that energy. And then you add energy into it with these highwaymen and the, the outlaws that are there and the possible deaths that could have happened in the King's Tavern. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it being a tavern, there's going to be fights and bloodshed there anyway. Um, If this, history is true 
then we have the makings for quite a haunted building. Right. And, you know, about to get into the second theory of the history here. And I say theory because it's uh, from Mike Chapman and his investigation of the area. Um, in we'll, we'll talk about which one we think is probably more true. But in, in my opinion, I kind of think it's a mixture of both. A um, little bit of this, a little bit of that kind of thing. Because it was so long ago, some aspects are probably hard to find. Um, but let's look at this. He Mike Chapman says that the history that we just talked about is misinformation that has circulated the internet for years by many people. Um, And he is a, uh, from what I was reading, he used to be a police officer, an investigator. Mm -hmm. So he used those skills that he's learned into digging into this. And then he spent a lot of time just researching the, the Natchez area and the King's Tavern. So what does he say the history is? Well, He says, on July 20th, 1794, a man named Prosper King petitioned the Spanish governor who ruled Natchez at the time for permission to build a house on lot three of square 33, the site where the tavern now stands. Almost exactly two years later, on July 1st, 1796, the petition was granted for Prosper by the territorial governor, Manuel Galloso de Limos. Then, a year and a half later, on January 18th, 1798, Prosper sold the property for the mere sum of $50 to his brother, Richard King. What? I mean, to go back and buy property for $50. No I've always, I've always said, Matt, if I could do one thing with uh, time travel that wouldn't really screw up the world, I would go back and I would invest, take a bunch of money, and I would invest a bunch of money into buying up Texas, buy up a whole big area of Texas, right? Yeah. Spend a couple $300 and have half of Texas, you know? Yeah. And, and then pass it along through the family, you know, write a will right. that it was, it was to stay in the, the Ballinger family, right? And so by the time then I came back, now I would have a buttload of money from selling off, you know, Texas to other people and, and oil and all this other stuff. So, uh, that's, you know, I mean, you know, that's, that's the way it ought to be, you know, but too many people are going back in time and, and betting on, uh, sporting events that they already know the outcome <laughs> to. <laughs> right. Right. It's like that, that's chump change for what I want to do. <laughs> that's right. You know, Oh, I'm going to buy a state, dadgummit. So anyway, he he sold it to his brother for $50. Um, and his brother was named Richard King. We've heard that name before. Uh, now, whether there was a building on the site at this time is unknown, but Chapman says, in my opinion, there was not. He says, my opinion is based on what follows next in the historical record. On August 5th, 1799, another year and a half after Richard purchased the property, it is recorded in the minutes of the Court of General Quarter Sessions of the Peace, Adams County Courthouse, Adams County, Mississippi, page 78, where Richard King was licensed to operate a public house. 
It's fairly obvious to me, as someone who has been in construction for most of my life and a licensed building contractor for the state of Mississippi, that Richard King bought the property and began building the tavern. A year and a half later, when it was about completed, he applied for the license in order to open for business. So that makes sense, you know. Yeah. And yeah. looking at what Chapman says and, and the history of things, that makes sense so far. Now, he says, he goes on to say in his article that the tavern was never constructed or intended to be a private residence. He says, we know this. It's also elementary to see to see this from the architecture and floor plan. It was not converted to use uh, from a home to a tavern, but later just the opposite occurred. It was converted from a tavern to become a residence, but more about that later. Richard built built it from the get-go as a tavern and then applied for the license to operate it as just that, a tavern. From the beginning, he saw it as a business opportunity and commercial enterprise. Now, this makes sense as it was the literal terminus of the, Nat- of the Natchez Trace. He says, so in my opinion, the actual date of construction was 1798 to 1799, the historic marker on the site, which literally states, quote, standing before 1789, end quote, is absolutely fake, he says. This independent finding was confirmed recently when I met with historian Mimi Miller of the Natchez Historical Society, and she stated that the Pilgrimage Garden Club, which petitioned the state for the marker in the early 1970s, got confused because there is an older record of another King's Tavern located in the area where present-day Liberty Road meets Cranfield Road. So apparently there was another King's Tavern, and they just mistook the historical documents for the other one. Now, he says they mistakenly cited the origin of the other King's Tavern for the one downtown. Now, he says when I asked Miss Miller what her estimation of the date of the tavern was, she stated exactly the same time as we do, 1798 to 1799. So he seems to have a lot of corroborating evidence for his theory on the history here. Yeah. So he goes on to say that later in the 1820s, the tavern was converted from a tavern to be a private residence when Elizabeth Postlewaite's husband became its owner. Now, on August 27, 1823, Henry Postlewaite died of yellow fever. His widow, Elizabeth, and her eight children moved into the tavern. She is credited with converting and enclosing the eastern porches into bedrooms, which today are still enclosed and used for seating for the restaurant when they need the extra space. The Postlewaite and Bledsoe families held the ownership of the tavern from 1823 until 1970, an incredible 147 years. Wow. Right? That, I mean, that is a long time for a single family to own yeah. something like this. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Property, okay, but to have an actual tavern and something like that for this amount of time, that's crazy. Well, it's not like a farm or a plantation. Yeah, exactly. You know, which would which you would expect to be passed down generation after generation. You know, essentially, it's it's just a house or an yep. old tavern. You know, that was converted to a residence that's just been continuing. I mean, they never sold it off, right? You know, never moved out of the area. The family didn't die out. Mm-hmm. 
which you know is possible. I mean, that kind of stuff happens. You you get one one living child, and he says, "Yeah, I'm heading west." You know, yeah, exactly. Deuces, and he's gone, and the and the building changes hands. So it, it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing. You know right. that, that this family held on to it for so long. Right, exactly. Now, Chapman goes on to say that during that entire time, it was used as a residence. Most people do not realize that the famous King's Tavern, in existence now for 212 years, has been a tavern for less than 25% of the time. In fact, it is actually less than that because even today, it does not operate as a tavern, but merely a restaurant. Now, the one bedroom it does have is no longer rented out due to lack of functioning central air conditioning and the reticence of the current owners to worry with the demands of a bed and breakfast. On July 27, 1860, Elizabeth passed away at the residence. He says this is a fact that should be noted by any shrewd observer, especially in light of the claims of a female presence haunting the place. Yeah. So when Matt talks about the hauntings, keep that in mind. Um, There is actual evidence of Elizabeth passing away at this residence. Now, he goes on to say that in recent years, 1970 to 1971, to be exact, it was purchased, restored, and converted back to more its original use, to be a tavern and a restaurant known as the Post House Restaurant by the Pilgrimage Garden Club of Natchez. Later, in 1987, they in turn sold the tavern to Yvonne Scott, who in 1988 opened the restaurant as King's Tavern. Frankly, he says, it is during the time period of ownership by the Garden Club and Miss Scott that the, quote, haunted stories and myths began to emerge. Now, he goes on to say that he knows this sounds like he's trying to debunk the thought of the King's Tavern as being haunted, but he's not. He wholeheartedly believes there is paranormal activity at the site. He just wants to set the record straight on the history so that the spirit activity might be better acknowledged. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, if, you know, if he's done this due diligence and looked up the history and, and corrected the history that is shown online, we need more of that in the paranormal arena here. We get too many things that we talk about that has fake history or embellished history for the sake of the hauntings. Something happens and then they make up the history around this haunting. Right. So I, I I wanted to include both of these both of these versions of the history because I feel like it's important that we hear A, what you're going to be seeing if you look it up, you know, in most places, and what uh, Chapman says is the actual, probably more correct history. And like I said, I think there's probably some some mixture of the two in that. Right. You know, I think Chapman probably has a closer handle on the time frame of when things happened. But I also think that the, the way Natchez was built and the way the King's Tavern was built is probably a lot like it said in the first telling of the history with the reclaimed wood and, and stuff like that, because how else? They didn't have a mill around there. So how else were they going right. to get the boards? So I think we've got a little mixture of the two. And I think, Matt, you probably probably fairly fairly well agree with me on that. Oh, yeah. And 
it's it, just because there may be a little bit of um, disagreement in what the actual history and timeline of King's Tavern is. There's there's not a lot of uh, disagreement in the activity that currently goes on in the right. building. Um, it's just a matter of, like Adam said, well, we've got this paranormal activity. The quote-unquote history may have developed out of this. Right. Um, j- just to not necessarily explain, but... A good backstory always makes a haunting a little bit more intriguing. Right. And right. Absolutely. If if part of your uh, allure is that you're a haunted restaurant, having a really colorful history helps. <laughs> yeah. Even if it's embellished a little bit. And when when we get into these haunting stories here in just a minute, uh, you'll you'll understand why. Um, it, it does lend itself to the actual hauntings, even though it it may not be historically accurate. But right. but let's let's jump into it, and 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 it'll make it'll make a lot more sense here. Um, there is a lot of activity in the inn, um, especially in the upstairs area, which is uh, what what used to be the inn uh, for the tavern. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of witnesses that that will that will see shadowy figures, um, you know, apparitions. There's uh, footsteps. All the all the usual suspects are here, and they mm-hmm. typically occur upstairs, but not always. Now, Matt, when we finish recording and and researching and editing everything my brain is fried so i like to take some time out and instead of going down another rabbit hole you know i i take a little break and i like to play best fiends and that seems to me to be the the best way to kind of decompress and and forget about all the stuff all the the creepy hauntings that we just researched or, or the crazy cryptids that we've been talking about and kind of get that off my brain for a little while and just play. And, and you know, they've got thousands of levels. So I can always keep going. I'm not going to get bored of anything. It's always changing and they got different themes all the time. So it's it's a great way to kind of decompress and, and like I said, forget about what we were just doing because what we do can get a little taxing and a little stressful. It sure can. Believe and, it or not. And, you know, I, I love Best Fiends for so many reasons. Um, but one of one of my favorite reasons is the fact that you don't have to be connected to the Internet to play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I get into places sometimes where I, I have to sit and wait, but I don't have a good enough signal you know, to browse the web or anything else. I always know I can I can hit Best Fiends for five, ten minutes, and it doesn't matter if I'm in an area with no cell signal. It'll right. work just fine. And I love the puzzle aspect of it. You know, it's got a lot of bright colors and, and the, the funny characters. Um, but the puzzles are challenging, but they're not impossible. It may take you a few times to get through when you get to a harder one, but you know you'll eventually get you'll eventually find the trick to it and you'll do it 
and, and then you move on. So it's it's never one of these games that you're just going to pitch because uh, I got stuck on this level and I just can't beat it and I'm done with it. You're, mm-hmm. you're going to get through and there's going to be thousands of levels that you can work your way through. And so every time you pick up the game, it's it's fresh and it's new and there's a there's a new bonus challenge. So it really makes it great. And, you know, Amanda and I, we used to go back and forth about, hey, have you beat this? But now she's so far ahead that I'm usually like, all right, all right, all right. Help me beat this one. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm stuck. I'm stuck here. Uh, and I, what? How do I do this? And, you know, and then, yep. then we go on. <laughs> I know the feeling. So you can go and download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. That's right. Download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or on Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Uh, going along with Adam's, you know, questionable history, let's let's dig into a little bit more to, you know, to see uh, where some of these hauntings might come from. Hmm. Now, some of the tavern's violent history is credited to a pair of outlaws named the Harp Brothers. Now, it's Makaja and Wiley. Now, they were nicknamed Big Harp and Little Harp, respectively. But these guys were so sadistic that they were known to take delight in torturing, mutilating, and killing their victims. Wow. Now, now the Harp Brothers, as well as other such men, would return to Natchez which would stimulate the economy, and perhaps they stayed at the King's Tavern. You know, if if not in the Natchez area, um, you know, maybe not exactly there, but in that area. And and they were no- notorious, as Adam said, for having people of questionable character. Now, according to the legend, there was a mother with a fussy infant staying at the tavern's inn. Now, Wiley, who was annoyed with the incessant crying, grabbed the baby from the mother's arms and threw the child to the ground, killing him instantly. Good Lord. Yeah. I mean, this is it's a bad deal. Now, yeah. Harp's older brother reportedly killed his own infant daughter because of her crying. This just to give you an idea how evil these guys really were. That's crazy. And Wiley had reportedly killed the infant daughter of one Mrs. Moses Stegall while sheltered in her Kentucky home for the same reason. Now, these stories could have been the inspiration for the King's Tavern legend, uh, you know, because sources differ on attributing the tavern murder to either Makaja or Wiley. Um, but it's interesting to note that there is no evidence that Big Harp ever set foot in Mississippi. Hmm. Yet, a lot of the legend says that Wiley's spirit is present in the tavern. Now, several witnesses have reported hearing a child crying, which appears to come from the upstairs area of the tavern. However, it's always at a time when there's no one else upstairs. Hmm. And so that is one of the most common occurrences that people report is this sound of a baby crying. Now, we've we've heard that 
not only with hauntings, but also we've heard that with fae folklore and stuff that, uh, you know, it's it's almost like a, a lure mm-hmm. to draw in humans. Yeah. So when I when I hear of just a lone baby cry, it's a lot creepier to me than just ghost kids freaking me out. You know, it. <laughs> yeah, there there's a lot more deep seated uh, issues with with just a lone baby crying because it's like, what else could that be? Because we've heard about it with spirits. We've heard about it with demonic activity mm-hmm. and we've heard about it with fey activity. So. Yeah. You don't know it, it runs the gamut, and if I hear a lone baby crying when there's nobody else, you can bet your butt I'm not going and checking it out. <laughs> but you you do make a good point because as an adult, you you hear a baby crying and it doesn't seem like anybody is comforting the child. Your instinct says go check on this child. Well, some of us, yeah. So- <laughs> <laughs> some of us yeah some of us who haven't done the research matt <laughs> <laughs> but you know it, it that would make sense that if if you know some type of entity was trying to lure uh a human into their midst that using the sound of a crying baby would do that at mm-hmm. least for everyone but adam right exactly <laughs> i'm smarter than all you people <laughs> So it's an occupational hazard from what we do. You know? <laughs> yeah, no joke. You get, you get pretty scared. Uh-uh. Yeah, uh-uh. I'm, I'm not Aren't doing you, that falling for that one, devil. Did you go uh-huh. check on that baby? Hell no. It's a devil yeah. up there. <laughs> it's it's exactly <laughs> like that saying, not today, Satan. Not today. Uh, hey, hey there's a couple of kids at the front door. Look at their eyes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> check it out. Don't let them in. Oh. <laughs> uh. But yeah, you know, Adam mentioned Richard King, who uh, who ran the tavern. Now he's a real dude. I mean, you know, there, you know, he owned the tavern. But uh, according to the story, he uh, he he may have had a wandering eye. Now, yeah. now King uh, supposedly had hired this pretty sixteen-year-old girl to be a server in in the tavern. Her name was Madeline, and she was a beautiful, young, vibrant, engaging woman who really caught his attention. Now, over time, Richard began to seduce Madeline, and Madeline was more than happy to become his mistress. And they began having this affair. Well, the, the, the proper and stately Esther King, Richard's wife, supposedly found out about her husband's affair, And so she decided that she was going to hire some thugs from Natchez under the hill to take Madeline out. So supposedly these guys stabbed Madeline to death, or perhaps Miss King took care of it herself. We don't know. But Madeline was made to go away without a trace. Now, after her death... The story says that Madeline's body was supposedly bricked up behind a chimney wall. Now, it's fair to say that there is little to no evidence that Esther King had anything at all to do with Madeline's murder in any shape or form. Okay, but it makes for a good story 
So it's been widely accepted without facts. Right. And, you know, I don't I don't want to trash, you know, a family's, you know, ancestors good name when there's absolutely no evidence. This is just the story. Okay? Right. Sure. Now, during the 1930s, the Portsmouth family needed to do some renovations to fix up the building. And while repairing the chimney fireplace in the main room of the tavern, three mummified bodies of of a girl and two men were found. Now, one of them was believed to be Madeline. Now, the murder weapon, a jeweled dagger, was found in another fireplace in another room. And the identity of the two men were unknown. Some people thought maybe they were the they were the killers. And you hire two dudes, you take out your uh your husband's lover, and then you take these two dudes out and you brick them up in the fireplace and nobody's the wiser. There you go. You know. But sounds like the perfect crime. Okay. It again, it makes a really good story. Yep. Now, even though the bodies that were found in the chimney were respectively reburied properly, the discovery appeared to awaken something inside the tavern. Uh, not only from the bodies that they found, but possibly uh, raising up other restless spirits who had been quiet up until this point in time. But again, you know, we've talked about this before, renovations and things like that, especially on old, old buildings, Mm -hmm. sometimes stirs up some activity that wasn't there before. Right, right. Now, as we mentioned, shadowy forms have been seen passing through the stairways um, and the fireplace where the bodies were found would emit heat as if it had been burning wood, although it is not used for that now. Hmm. That's weird. Now, a woman's footprints can be seen on freshly mopped floors. Now, you know, just imagine you're you're working in this tavern and you're mopping the floor. And then you look down and all of a sudden there are footprints coming across. Like, I don't mean like, where did these footprints come from? The way they describe it is footprints are appearing in the wet floor, like walking towards you. <laughs> yeah, you want to talk about needing to mop the floor again. That's right. I would definitely need to mop the floor again after I saw that. Of course, with me, I'd have been like, I'd have been like, well, well the kids, what are you doing? I just mopped there. <laughs> right. You know, right. spirit or no spirit, don't walk on my mop floor. Right, exactly. <laughs> now, uh, the apparition of a young woman has also been seen by guests and by staff. So, you know, it would... You see where I'm going with this. It's the ghost of Madeline. You know, they mm-hmm. found her body. All of a sudden, boop, here we go. You know, all yeah. this stuff starts happening. But, you know, there there are a few problems with that whole story. Not that not that this woman was not Madeline. Um, but the, the idea that at the time, you know, uh, Richard King's wife, Esther, could have pulled this off. You know, you hire two, two, uh, you know, shady individuals to take out this girl and then either manage to take them out or there's two other, maybe not them, two other people bricked up in this fireplace. Now, that is a fact. I mean, they found these bodies. Right. You know, right. That, that, is, that is not a question here. 
They did find the bodies in 1930, but they, the they question don't. Is just who they are. Yeah, they, they, they're using the story to kind of make an assumption that this right. is what happened. Um, but imagine at the time how hard it would have been to get bricks and timely enough to get somebody bricked up, not only somebody, three somebodies, right. to bricked up you know, behind a fireplace without Before somebody going, hey, you smell something? Yep. something something's going bad. Yep, exactly. I mean, I mean, this isn't like it is today where you, you might could pull this off in, in, a, in a day or two. I mean, it, yeah. it would have taken you a little while. And, and chances are, un, unless, you know, Miss King was, a, was somehow a Freemason, <laughs> you know, she, she probably probably didn't have the skill to have done this by herself. Yeah, that quickly, for sure. And another thing, we talked about the area where this is, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of out in, in your own territory, you know, with very little policing. I mean, why not just yep. take them out back and bury them? Right. And, you know, you're using these homemade sun-dried bricks. Yeah. So, you know, you probably don't have just a wealth of bricks either. Yeah. So, but I don't know. The fact remains. Somebody was bricked up in there. Right. I mean, you know, three three people bricked up in there, bodies mummified. And, of course, you know, you find human remains, you know, the chances are something else is going to happen afterwards. Sure. And it, sure. And it did. So the, the staff at King's Tavern typically refers to this female spirit as Madeline and says that she likes to play jokes on the staff and the visitors. She likes to knock jars off of shelves. She pours water from the ceiling onto the floor. And she likes to make the chairs rock that are hanging on the wall. Um, in fact, I did read one, uh, one person's review on, um, on TripAdvisor that said that they had uh, a, a ball and chain like hanging his decoration on the wall. And he's sitting mm-hmm. there eating and he looks and this thing starts moving. And so he's That's like, weird. now, sure enough, it could have been somebody trying to play a joke on me. He's like, but yeah. it didn't look that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think that would that would be a little weird to see that while you're eating. But, you know, that to me, that's really cool. I mean, we've talked about this before in, in a place like a restaurant that's haunted. You, you don't see a lot of activity when there's a lot of people in there. Yeah. You know, for one, there's too much going on. Subtle things like a ball and chain hanging on the wall beginning to swing, you probably wouldn't even notice. Right. You know, there's just too much activity. But for somebody to notice something like that, you know, while they're sitting there eating in probably a, a pretty full restaurant, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, that's that's impressive. Oh, yeah. But they also say that doors that are really hard to open will suddenly open by themselves. Uh, and when a staff member calls Madeline's name, the door will shut again by itself. She also likes to turn the faucets on and off and the lights on and off. And there has been EVPs collected uh, in King's Tavern, and one is of a woman's voice that was taken in one of the empty bedrooms by a Natchez news crew. Hmm. You know, so a lot of evidence of something going on in here. Yeah. Now, whether it's Madeline whether it's uh, Elizabeth, 
Um, whether it's the ghost of Esther King, I mean, we, we don't know. Um, but as a whole, you know, when you hear the stories, they do typically refer to the spirit as Madeline. Right. There's no, no question that there is activity. It's just question as to who it possibly could be. And honestly, that question is not from most people. Most people, like Matt was saying, they they say it's Madeline. They have an, an answer for it, and, and they go off that that history or that tale. Um, but you know, like we were saying, it's possible it could be it could be somebody else. Yeah. And if it if it's somebody else, you might be pissing them off even more, calling them the wrong name. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, if it's Elizabeth and you're calling her Madeline, she's yeah. going to get mad at you. So I'm going to pour this water from the upstairs onto the downstairs floor. Right. I'm going to try I'll to tell you. you it's not. Yeah, it's not Madeline. It's me. But as Madeline seems to be more of a prankster, there is another entity there that uh, seems to be a little bit more sinister. Um, he could be a murder victim or maybe he's one of the outlaws. Um, but the waiters and waitresses feel that it's definitely an evil persona. Uh, maybe he's just angry because he was murdered. Yeah. Now, this one has been seen, and typically when he's seen, he appears to be wearing a dark jacket, pants, and a black tie, uh, like a like a string tie. You know, Colonel, Colonel like, Sanders. <laughs> yeah, kind of like a bolo tie. But. Yeah. Now, Sometimes he'll appear behind people getting their pictures taken by the fireplace where the bodies were found. Oh, there's an idea that maybe he's one of the two male bodies that were found behind the fireplace. People, huh. people have also described feeling a tightness in their necks and shoulders and pressure on their chest. Dishes have been thrown. Um, it said, in, as I read, in an aggressive manner. I don't really I mean, know. How do you throw a dish in a non-aggressive manner? Yeah. How <laughs> how playful is a dish throwing? That's you know, right. you know, I playfully threw this dish at your head. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, I didn't mean to hit you with that coffee cup. I was just playing around. Yeah, it's a joke. <laughs> I would, I would, it wasn't. A, there was no aggression behind it. Now the the man in the hat can sometimes be seen in, in a mirror in one of the upstairs bedroom. And the face of a man is seen for a split second. So, again, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know. That would the, be wild. Yeah. Catching a glimpse of somebody in a mirror that's not, mm -hmm. not really there. Woo. That, that one will yeah. get you every time. Yep. Now, one of the old lodging rooms still has the antique four-poster bed that was in it originally. Now, if they say, if you run your hand over it, it has spots of warmth as if someone has just been lying there. Hmm. So, I mean, that, that's pretty, or, or the sun just came in and sat in that spot yeah, right, for a few minutes. Right. I don't know. I don't know. But that's, <laughs> you know, I included that. It's kind of, that's kind of cool. You know, it's one of the things that they promote. You know, you go up there to tour and you can touch the bed and you can feel the warm spot sometimes. Yeah. So. Here, rub our bed. Yeah. Rub this, this bed. Seem doesn't seem weird at all. Is a genie going to come out of this bed? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, four, because it's got four posts. One genie per post. That's right. So you get 12 wishes in all. Yep. Yep. So you don't have to wish for more wishes. So. Yeah, you, it's still one of the rules. No no wishing for more wishes. <laughs> you can't wish for more wishes. Um, but 
the the current owners actually have surveillance cameras on the property. And according to employees, it captured footage of the door of a small refrigerator that sits behind the bar opening on its own. Now, according to the employees, the door is difficult to open and the door does not swing outward once it's opened without some force. So it's it's heavy enough that when you open this door and you let like some refrigerators, you open the door and the door just keep right on swinging. They say mm-hmm. this one doesn't do that. They said if it's going to swing mm. out, you're going to have to move it all the way out yourself. Uh, okay. And now. I was reading some some personal experiences from people that have visited King's Tavern, and they said that there is a bartender who will show you this video on his phone. You know, oh, so if, if if you're there at the right time, now I you know I don't know this th- this was from a few years ago, so I don't know if this guy is still there. Um, but apparently, at one time, maybe even now, there is a bartender there that has the video from the surveillance on his phone. And and it's shown. I had I saw multiple reports that they said, and the bartender even showed us a video on his phone of this refrigerator door opening. That's cool. Yeah, it is cool. So they celebrate it. I mean, you know, it's it's not something that they keep quiet. I mean, heck, they they're using it to draw in some business. And from what I hear, yeah. um, you know, not only is it a cool place, you know, you're getting to eat in a very old old tavern, um, along with it being haunted. The what I hear, the food is incredible. So if you ever find yourself close to Natchez, this is definitely a place to check out. Um, but one other cool note on on Madeline is that uh, guests have reported that there is a portrait of Madeline that hangs on the stairwell wall. And it will become horribly crooked, despite the fact that just moments before it was straight. Hmm. And, you know, I even read some reports where folks had said they had just finished coming down from upstairs and they were looking at all the photograph, all the portraits on the wall coming down the stairwell. And they said just within within a minute, you know, one of the guys is going, Ugh, and he goes up and readjusts this picture of Madeline, you know, to make it straight again. And they were like, that wasn't hmm. crooked just a minute ago. Um but again, you know, maybe it is Madeline. Maybe it's a trick. You know, hey, you know, I'm going to turn my picture a little crooked. Yep. Or, you know, maybe it's Elizabeth trying to say I'm not Madeline, I'm not Madeline. and messing with <laughs> messing with Madeline's picture. That's right. Um, there, there have been a few reports, and I couldn't find any other about this. They said that there is a shadowy figure that witnesses say appears to be the figure of a Native American man. Um you know, I I did. I looked and looked and looked, and I couldn't find any more reports of that. Every, most everything you'll find is going to reference um, the 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 man in the top hat, and of course Madeline, and a lot of the activity that occurs with things being moved and dropped and poured on the floor. Um, but you know, like I said, this activity goes on even now. So there's a yeah. really good chance if you visit at the right time, you may experience something. You know, something paranormal. Sounds like you're definitely going to get a good meal out of it, so it wouldn't yeah. be it wouldn't be a total wash. Well, that's um, worth it at least. I mean, you're 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 going to see a building that's you know more than 200 years old. I mean, you know that in of itself is is a pretty cool thing if you find yourself close to to Natchez, Mississippi. Yep. And you know, Adam and I we we love finding these little places like this. I mean, you know it it is it is considered to be one of the most haunted places in Mississippi, and you know for good reason. You know it's very very active. 
You know, and, and I love when a place will celebrate the activity that occurs, you know, but not overdo it. You know, it's right. like it's like come to eat at the Haunted King's Tavern. You know, it, it it's really not presented to you that way. You know, it's like, you know, you can come and eat here and, it, you know, it's, it, it, you know, it's a really neat environment. There's a lot of history here. Um, oh, yeah. And by the way, it's haunted. Right. You know, we'll talk to you about it being haunted, but we're not going to put posters out on the street. uh, You know, right. Okay, Adam, especially now, people are just not okay. Right. You know, and, and it's okay to not be okay. But if there is something that's interfering with your happiness and it's preventing you from achieving your goals, then seeking professional help may be the right thing for you to do. And BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And you can start communicating in less than 48 hours. Now, BetterHelp is not a crisis line and it's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as you do with traditional therapy. That's right, and BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed, which is great, because you know sometimes you get a counselor and you just don't click with them. Like, they're not, you can tell, they're, they're not going to be able to help you with your individual needs, and BetterHelp is amazing in the fact that anytime, if you feel like you want to try a different therapist, you can switch it there. You know, there's no, you have to stick with this one person because you've already paid for a year with it. it, it it's not that way, it, which is great, you know, and they help find that one person that is going to get you the best counseling that you possibly could get. And it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. So if you are worried about, in finances especially this time of year if you're worried about finances getting in the way don't because they have financial aid and you can get the help that you need now better help wants you to start living a happier life today you can go visit their website and you can read testimonials that are posted daily from satisfied customers of their platform you can go read those in fact so many people have been using better help that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So you know it's good if they're having to recruit more counselors. Now, we have a special offer for Graveyard Tales listeners. You can get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp. All you got to do is go to BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com slash Grave, G-R-A-V-E. That's right. Graveyard Tales listeners get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com slash Grave, G-R-A-V-E. 
Um, it, it is worth noting that um, our old buddy Zach did visit King's Tavern, and there is a Ghost Adventures episode where you can see. Um, of course, there is a, a lot of a lot of the stuff, a lot of the history. You can see how you know the decor and uh, some of the old artifacts that are that are hanging on the wall, and um, you know, and hear some stories from the staff. Um, you know, it, it it's pretty cool for the simple reason that you know Adam and I are going to tell you about this place. If you, if you're interested, you know there there are more outlets for you to see. Um, you know, what it looks like and, and hear some of the stories. Of course, you know, with, with that show, you have to take everything with a grain of salt because it's, sure. it's going to be, it's going to be presented, presented in a very fantastical manner, but it does give you the opportunity to hear some of these stories um, and actually see the tavern itself. Right. So, Which is always cool. It's always Getting cool. to see the place. So anyway, Adam and I really enjoyed researching, you know, King's Tavern. It, we, we don't, we don't find these these little hideaway places that are this active too often, right? But if uh, if you know you got, I mean, I know we got listeners in Mississippi, so I'm sure we've got somebody that's visited this place or maybe sure. he's planning on it. Um, and like Adam and I always say, we we love it when we get listeners that actually visit a place that we've talked about, or even take the you know they take a trip there, but and they wouldn't have normally because they heard it on the show. Um, right, that's awesome. You know, and we, we love hearing the stories of your experiences there, and we love seeing photographs, and the best place to send us those is in the Graveyard Tales Facebook group. And uh, so, I mean, if you haven't already, jump in our group. I mean, it is unbelievable. And just today, you know, I, I saw several posts about people saying, hey, I love this group. You know, mm-hmm. I love, you know, the humor that's here. I love the stories people share. I love the fact that I can come and and tell a story on a personal experience and know that I'm I'm not going to get made fun of. I'm not going to get laughed at. There's going to be people that are going to be like, man, that's wild. Thanks for sharing that. Or, hey, I had this happen to me, which is very similar. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if, if if you're looking for somewhere like that, the graveyard is the perfect place, you know, to come. You know, absolutely. And Ad, Adam and I are, are in and out of there. Um, it gives us a little bit more interaction with our listeners. But, you know, even beyond the show, you know, the, the group has become an entity of its own. And oh, absolutely. And we, I we love, just it. love it. I love, love it. it. But you can find us on other social media. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter. Just search Graveyard Tales. And while you're there, you can check out our website. It's graveyardpodcast.com. And on our website, you can learn a little bit more about Adam and myself. You can find links to purchase Graveyard Tales merchandise, uh, which I, you know, I got my son uh, a Graveyard Tales hoodie, which believe it or not, that was on his Christmas list. So he's that's he's, awesome. He's got a Graveyard Tales hoodie coming for Christmas. He doesn't know it. Nice. Um, but you can also become a patron, and we always take the time to thank all of our patrons who have donated to the show. Um, we really do appreciate it. It is what keeps Adam and I going. So don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes because it gets us up the charts, which just makes it easier for people to find us. So until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon.
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.